We are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes beyond the Walking Dead universe. I'm your host, David Cavian. <laughs> and we're joined by Cosmom Zero and I, Rachel Burt, Sharon Day, aka Blazy Gardner, and Bridget. KODishify.com slash Punky Brewster. That's P U N K Y B R I U I S E T E R. We're doing our full breakdown of The Last of Us' sixth episode titled Kin. If you missed last night's episode, and this is mostly for you audio podcast listeners, we're not going to be including that part in the audio podcast breakdown. If you want that reaction video, it was only about a half hour long, maybe, you can head to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash squawking dead we're trying to keep it a little bit more casual but also letting it be more audience driven and less theorizing and looking into details and more about feelings and reactions and expressing things so without further ado let's continue with this episode i think the big link in this episode has to do a lot with bonds and trust and like to the title kin and so when we see the old couple in the shack and then you hear maria's words later on saying the only people that can betray you are the people that you actually trust. There's like a little bit of interplay to that when you see this episode, because when you meet that old couple in the beginning, there's basically like an understanding. You don't trust anybody to an absurd degree that we don't even get to see on the walk. You do see it on The Walking Dead, obviously. Anybody you come across could be somebody hostile. But like occasionally, like, okay, John Dory comes across Morgan in season four of The Walking Dead. And it's like a casual conversation. I I meant Fear (laughs) the Walking Dead season four. Sorry. That's okay. Not bad. I just don't want you to get roasted online. That's okay. Roast me. I mean, somebody's listening. They teach you how seriously, and like by way of many different avenues, not just the old couple, the way the Jackson, uh, Wyoming community basically has to be to the outside world, scattering all the bodies of the people that they've buried and were not buried mm. across their mm-hmm. land so that people don't get the, you know, just stay away from here. Then you get to things like, well, when it comes to Ellie and Joel, how they they're obviously have a connection. You see it more in Ellie's end predominantly throughout the series. Like she's like, I want to get in this guy's, you know, this is his face. Care about, care about me, old man. Care about me and he's like nah B up until now until I rewatched this episode I had assumed that she knew about Sarah oh no the truth is I didn't and she didn't mm-mm, mm-mm. it wasn't until she had seen the memorial that Tommy did for both Sarah and Kevin Kevin yeah which is Maria's mm-hmm. son well three-year-old son at the time Man, there's so much to talk about with that but the most important part is that she finally understands why Joel all this time has been the way he's been with her I'm projecting a little bit maybe or I'm I'm assuming, but once she hears that, her tone or her attitude completely shifts. She defends him in front of Maria. It does, and then she says, well, that makes sense. Right, yeah. right. In her mind, she processes it and it like clears up a lot of things for her. Right. I think all this time she's just basically trying to wear him down because he's just a jerk. And it's like, oh, it's working, it's working, I'm wearing him down. No, you remind him of his daughter, you idiot. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know that. She's, oh, I guess wearing people down works. <laughs> I'll just keep being annoying until he, you know, minorly cares about me. No, dude, he had a daughter. Which is also weird because this is why I assumed she had heard or whatever. It's because when Joel is talking with Henry in the last episode, he he goes, you can kind of tell you had one of those, didn't you? Like he like that you had a daughter. He said, you may not be her dad, but you were somebody's dad. You were someone's. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Good call. Joel did not make a habit of telling anybody about Sarah. The only people that knew Mm -hmm. were maybe Tess. I don't even know if Tess knew. Tommy, for sure. And then of course, now 
Marie, Marina, Maria knows, but I don't think Joel goes around telling anybody about Sarah. It also makes me wonder, I think he changes a little bit when Ellie tells him, I'm sorry about your daughter. Even after he tells her, you know, don't ever mention her again or don't talk about her. And Ellie's like, I'm sorry. She doesn't stop, of course, because she's Ellie. But she's like, you know, I'm sorry. And I wonder if, if anybody other than Tommy had ever really said that to him. Because when he lost Sarah, everything went to shit. You know, everybody was worried about saving their own skins and it was the middle of the, the fall of society. So who was going to say anything to him other than Tommy? Everybody was losing people. Yeah. So, I'm, I mean, I wonder if, if she's like the first person other than Tommy to ever tell him, I'm sorry about your daughter. That's a good point. Like, and that's really kind of making mm. me think about like what it must have been like back then too. I mean, you're absolutely right. Right when this whole thing started, he had to jump immediately into, well, how many months of this chaos is going to continue of where we have to kind of go from survival situation to survival situation. And when do you really well, get- Well, and they traveled. Yep. They traveled a lot and- far and I can only imagine how that went running into raiders and thieves and all around general bad people well and then also being the bad people who killed mm-hmm. innocent people like we didn't know that there was another way or every time we tried we just weren't good at it it's kind of what Tommy yeah. says to him at the bar and maybe yeah and that makes makes sense too you lose somebody you care about what moral center do you have it's kind of like on the walking dead and I often refer to the scene and it's right after Rick murders the shit out of those savior escapees from Hilltop. This is season eight near the end, basically. And he's with Morgan at that bar. They just finished slaughtering all the savior remainders, including Jared. I kill shitty Jared. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and Morgan asks him, how did you make it the song? And Rick goes, I had my son. And Morgan knows exactly what he's talking about because he went cuckoo bananas after Dwayne got bit. The point is that you were okay. You were like good Rick-ish for as long as you could be because you had Carl around. And then when Carl died, he turned into kind of a dick. Like murder, rage, Rick. Dick, dick, Rick, murder. Murder age, Dick Rick, essentially. <laughs> Tommy Tommy was wearing Rick's murder jacket in this episode. <laughs> and yeah, well, it was... He was like the opposite. <laughs> what is it, like a denim, like a murder Rick meets denim, like blue denim jacket? Canadian Rick. Yeah, t- <laughs> Canadian tuxedo Rick, yeah. <laughs> and they are in Canada. There was another way. part that actually made me think about Carl when Joel gave Ellie the liquor and she tasted it. She was like, yeah, just as gross as I remember, just as gross as last time. <laughs> it made me think of Carl tasting the wine at the- Wasn't that season one? CDC, yeah. It yuck! Was season one. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, ew! Like at that face. He's like smiling when he said, yuck! <laughs> <laughs> ew! Which is kind of like Ellie too. Like, especially when she gets the diva cup, she's like, gross, the big- <laughs> Yeah, smile on her face. Oh, I had to look that up because I was like, I did dude, too. Yeah. There's no way this existed in 2004. It did. It, it, it was invented in 2003. Mm-hmm. Well, it was brought to mass production in 2003. Yeah, yeah I was I was, it was like, a crowdfunding wow. project, by the way, if I'm if I remember right too. I can't imagine there are a lot of those floating around. <laughs> the no, no, I can imagine a lot of them floating around in the sea or something, like in the water. It depends on who is going on the supply runs because guys are not going to think to pick that kind of thing up. Just like in Mm -hmm. episode one or episode two, when Ellie goes down and finds the tampons down, guys aren't going to think to pick that up. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's if you're now, if your ladies are going on the supply runs, they're going to think about getting that kind of stuff. Or Glenn grabbing the morning after pill for Lori. (laughs) 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 Takira says, I can't believe she didn't find out until halfway through the season. Well, actually more than halfway. We're like two thirds because of nine episodes. Uh, I feel like anybody else that may have, known what happened to him could have felt like well 
We all lost someone. True. Absolutely true. Nobody really treated it like the tragedy it was. Had she been lost to cordyceps, then maybe it would have made it easier. But knowing it was a human, I feel like it would have been easier to lose her to the way that everybody was losing Instead people. of a person. It's out of your control. In Joel's mind, this is somebody he could have stopped and he wasn't able to. Well, across the board too. A, it was a human. Well, it, it wasn't like, it, like mm-hmm. you said, it wasn't an infected that got her. It was somebody that was supposed to help him ostensibly. Oh, they're supposed to protect the people. And yet that was her demise. Yeah. And then, well, then also brings me back to Maria too, because Maria loses someone. And of all the people that can absolutely 100% relate to Joel or they relate to each other, it's Maria. And it's so interesting to see how like innately, I mean, first of all, Maria has the goods on Joel. She knows everything about Joel. Joel doesn't know everything about her and probably Mm-mm. still doesn't actually. They didn't have like that conversation of Maria knowing Maria's loss too. But it's weird to see that when they're on the table they he's very polite with her rightfully so and i like that part of him it's like okay they are feeding us they didn't blow us away well he is from texas right might as well be polite (laughs) right But he does get a little ornery when he wants to talk to, because he senses that Tommy told her about him because of like, oh, because uh, what was it? I can't remember exactly what it was. She said something to the effect that things that we've done or things that we've had to do. And she kind of looks at Joel, but doesn't say it. She goes, Joel. (laughs) And so implying the fact that, yeah, that you've done some shit that I know about. But it's weird because he gives her the stank too, intrinsically. And I think what's great about that is they kind of get it. They kind of get each other without not getting each other. She knows that he's lost someone too. So she knows to reject him too because losing someone like that is dangerous. But she views it as you lost someone and you lost yourself and you were a horrible person. What does that remind you of? And I am better than that because I held it together. I felt very strongly that she did not like Joel 100% and did not want him around. When Ellie brought up the fact that Tommy had killed people too, it wasn't just Joel. And she she blamed Joel. Just like Joel blamed her when he was with Tommy. Oh, she's the reason you didn't call me. And she's the reason that Mm. you didn't stay in communication. So, ah, jealousy. Tommy's in between and Joel considers him part of his circle and Maria considers him part of her circle and Tommy's stuck in the middle so they're on opposite sides of Tommy. Throughout this episode and even beforehand, Joel, and we've said this before, Joel is consistently trying to protect someone, whether it's Tommy, whether it's Sarah, now it's Ellie and he's always putting it on himself. It's no wonder why he's having so many panic attacks because there are several moments where he feels helpless and there's nothing that he can do. Now he's feeling weak. Now he feels like he can't make it and the way of like the importance of getting Ellie to where she needs to go, plus wanting to protect her, having lost Sarah. When he sees Tommy's okay, he's almost like resentful. It's like, why can't, why can you move on? Fuck you. But still blames himself. Like he's always blamed himself for dragging Tommy through some times where he's had to do some questionable things. He puts it all on him. He said, I'm here to rescue you, but Tommy plainly didn't need rescuing and that made him feel like even more of a useless dirtbag. Yeah, exactly. You, oh, you yeah. didn't need me to save you. But he's always taken on the burden of the things that that both he and Tommy did. He was the one that thought of it. So of course, Tommy followed, right? No, Tommy has agency. Tommy has always had agency. And it's the same thing with Ellie right now. Ellie, in a way, has agency. And you see the shift, but you don't really see it fully until like near the end where he actually gives her the choice. He could have easily done the same thing that he did with Tommy. And that's, you're coming with me no matter what. And I'm going to take care, I'm going to protect you. And you're going to do these things because I tell you to do these things because I'm the older brother. Because obviously I'm right. And so he's trying to pull this 
same shit on Ellie. But Ellie isn't like Tommy and Ellie isn't like Sarah either, which which explains the conversation that they had at the end. Not in like an annoying, like, fuck you, I'm not your daughter way. But it's like, no, I grew up differently than your daughter. I know things that she didn't know at the time. I have skills that you taught me that you couldn't teach her at the time, which is Mm -hmm. why he returns the agency back to her the next morning. Kind of like Tommy owns the conversation that they had before where he said something stupid and he comes back and says, that wasn't right of me to do. I'm an adult now. Adults see through the emotional outbursts and come back and say, I know why you said what you said or you treated me the way you did. And I know why I said what I said. And I'm coming back to tell you, I get it. That's hard for you. I know you love me. Let's work through this. And so he gives that back to Ellie at the end. Kin, how about that? (laughs) The Walking Dead has ruined me because the second they walk through those big giant gates, I'm like, Hilltop! Don't let, I'm like, don't let them in. They're going to ruin your community. (laughs) You know? Great point. I mean, they already took, they already did their number on Kansas City, although that really didn't have anything to do with them, but still. (laughs) No. (laughs) I mean, they sort of started a something, a little something, something, but like, it pales in comparison to what they were trying to do. kill kids i listened to the official last of us podcast today i'm not really going to go into what they said because uh, they're way more eloquent about it than i am but i really (laughs) recommend listening to their explanation of joel's actions and ellie's response it's very very enlightening just not right now right not right now everybody let's leave and we'll come back (laughs) in an hour and we'll talk about the last of us podcast bye guys <laughs> the song at the end of the episode is the same song that played at the end of episode one which mm-hmm. is i don't remember the name of it never let me down again by depeche mode which is yep. an 80 song the person singing it is craig mazin's daughter jennifer mazin that's right yep. that's right and it has not been released on like any sort of platform you can get it off of just yet but they were probably waiting for this episode to come out he tells a funny little story about it in the podcast oh, okay yeah so i had to watch the episode today on on my lunch break <laughs> on a laptop, which was not ideal. Did anyone catch the list of the 10 hottest guys yes. in the bedroom? Anyone write that down? I didn't write them all because down. I, tried, I, write it down. I literally only had as long as the episode was to watch. I couldn't I couldn't spare two minutes to go back and look. Do you remember any of the names, Dave? I, I saw all the names. The only one that actually interested me was right at the bottom of that list. <laughs> the bottom? Professor Smed was an asterisk at the end. Professor <laughs> <laughs> Professor Smed is a hottie. Smed? Smeds? Smeds was a hottie. <laughs> there was like a, a top 10, you know, crushiest boys that I like yeah. list yeah. on a post-it note. It's really funny because in Saturday Night Live last week, they had a whole sketch about students making fan cams of the teachers. And it, Pedro Pascal was the host. And all the fan cams were of him. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> and the uh, the teacher that he supposedly has a crush on, but then actually turns out right. that they do have a crush. Oh Yeah, it's really funny. It's funny. Lois says something very important because I I was like looking at Maria and I'm like, I know this bitch. Where is this actor from? Uh, the actor that plays Maria. And she said, oh, yeah, Maria tried to kill Michonne. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's um, not Jocelyn. Joyce. Jocelyn, thank mm-hmm. you. Jocelyn from Scars uh, in, in season nine. Yes. I wrote down right here that Maria gave me serious Michonne vibes. Oh. Mm-hmm. The way she was talking to Ellie and mm-hmm. the rhythm of her voice. I don't know. She just. Similar hair. And then she said that her son died when he was like three during the outbreak, kind of like mm-hmm. Michonne also. Even more so. Mm, yeah. Like Andre. She, yeah, she really gave me Michonne vibes. Yeah, though. Andre. Yeah. Right. She was also on True Blood. Oh, well, there you go. Sakira says, then the part when Joel asked for a moment for her family, and then they said, well, she is family. Her annoying ass could have given the brothers a moment. No, I like that she didn't. Or like that that 
Tommy <laughs> didn't because it, it made a point. It's like, I, I'm a grown man. <laughs> it's from the video game. Oh, really? that dialogue is from the video game. Uh. Yeah. They get to the gate and Tommy's at the gate. He's like, you can let him in. And she's like, no. well, you know them? He's like, yeah, it's my brother. So there's like this little moment. He says something about family and she's like, well, considering I am family now, you're my brother-in-law. And you're like, oh, what's this news about brother-in-law? <laughs> 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 does she lose a son in the game too is that is that revealed or is that just an extra thing they put in the show i didn't get that far mm, okay, okay i didn't get that far yeah i'm sorry the hunters thing goes even further than what you than got I to thought. last night or yesterday yeah. as of yesterday yeah while we're talking about forever game when they're in there eating and ellie is having issues with the girl that's looking at her <laughs> they will not verify but that's supposed to be dina who is becomes close friends with ellie in the second game i think close friends mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. quotes sorry quotes for the audio she was played by shannon woodward who was elsie oh. hughes on westworld yeah My yeah Westworld fans so oh. shannon woodward uh, voiced and acted her in um the last of us 2 oh i wonder if we'll see her yeah there were a lot of easter eggy spoiler things i am not gonna mention them yeah <laughs> i i'm just gonna I'm going to just leave it. There is something that I want to go back to. I, I included it in our Discord earlier, and I'm going to skip some of those, but we'll include a link to that in the blog, and you can go look at those spoilery Easter eggs yourself if you're interested. If we hover around any of those areas, let's just make a note of telling us what spoilery things, or I don't know, spoiler comparisons well, to the video I just game. I would have to go through the list because I'm not going to remember oh, like okay. offhand. Yeah, it's just, it, they're like just little Easter egg things. I'm not going to touch the spoilery ones, but. Well, let me continue continue on with the comments to Kira says it's not like Joel was going to change his mind about her because of marriage but she knew what, what they meant to each other right eventually she let them talk <laughs> Lois says I think Joel is jealous it, it like I feel like he never fit in and really had a safe place to stay at first I think he sees where Tommy is at yeah I think he almost rejects this community at first until like he lets go of this big burden that he's been carrying on behalf of everybody to the point where at the end when they're about to leave he goes I'm counting on it meaning there's a place for you here uh, he has like a, and this is something that I've mentioned in almost every episode is that like, what's the point of like the single minded purpose when as soon as that is ripped away from you, what happens to you now? And part of the answer to that question is the panic attacks. And the other part of the answer is, well, I'm not worried as much about Joel because he's seeing a life after submitting, first of all, to accepting his bond with Ellie and also submitting to the fact that, yeah, there could be something for him afterwards to the point where he admits that he wanted to be a singer, which is okay. Joel. Okay. All right. I see you. I see you. Takira says, I think Joel did have some pangs of jealousy, but they were they were pushing him. They were pushing him. The brothers deserve time alone with each other. Tagir says, also, I know that they got it eventually, but Joel was extra on the edge at that point. I think part of the reason him and Ellie argued as bad as they did is because of his anger towards Maria and Tommy. What do you think? I don't know. I don't know that that's it. But let's talk about that scene for just a sec, because that is a very huge scene in the video games and is a pretty big scene here, although they do reconcile the next morning, which I liked. I could see why some people might not. After the big blowout, what do you guys think of that? What do you think of Takira's take on the fight? Mm, I mean, I could have seen that adding to tensions being high on his side, but Joel really had thought all this through, right? It's the it's the panic attacks that are really what's scaring him right now. Like it's enough that he was snuck up on by two kids and she's had to save him a couple times now. And that's enough to push him but on top of all of that the panic attacks are really i think what what was doing it for joel i think that's why he was like nope i can't do
do this. I need Tommy to do it. He's younger. He's going to be stronger. He knows the area, which those are all valid points. Yeah. I, I don't think that he was in the wrong for it either. For pawning off Ellie to Tommy. I think the reason Ellie and Joel, Ellie was so angry was Joel didn't even discuss it with her. He treated her like cargo mm -hmm. still. Instead of coming to her and saying, look, these are the reasons that I want you to go with Tommy. He just took it upon himself to say, you're going to go with Tommy Removing and not discuss it with her. And after all they'd been through for the past few months, she felt he was starting to open up a little bit and they were more than just cargo and transporter. And then he just turned yeah. around and was like, no, you're going to go with somebody else. I'm done with you. I wash my hands of you. Well, he's definitely feeling some emotions toward her too. Protective, parental, whatever, you, whatever have you. He's definitely feeling something for her. And if something happens to her, that's just going to be another person that he loses. And I don't think he, I think he's trying to distance himself from losing more people too. Yeah. Yeah. Especially after what he just saw happen with Sam. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Is it the panic attack or is it the fear of losing Ellie or failing Ellie after failing to save Sam, after failing to save Sarah? And it just makes everything worse when he gets caught by Maria's people and he's completely and utterly helpless to save her. And it's not like Joel has really talked up Tommy to be super confidence inspiring. Oh, Tommy's a joiner and he just goes here and there and he doesn't like this, mm -hmm. so he quit it and went somewhere else and he didn't like this, so he quit that's it and went true. somewhere else. And that's all he's talked about the whole trip. And now he's like, oh, but you're going to go with him. Bye. That's also true. <laughs> you're in good hands. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really think of that, but that's a really good point. Yeah. Not that he's like <laughs> you trash talking his brother or anything. I mean, but like but he is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make you feel like, yeah, Tommy's the guy. Because he didn't present any of the good reasons to Ellie. He presented the reasons to Tommy. Mm -hmm. Sure, great, Tommy, here's the reasons, but he didn't present any of those yeah. to Ellie. So her thought is you're just gonna dump me on this guy that you have zero confidence in and you had to come save. What? It really depends yeah. on how much she overheard when they were talking. Because it's hard to tell where she what she caught. I mean, it seems like she caught most of it. And if that's the case, it really goes to show, and this is what I really like about this show, is that it really paints the picture of a child not fully understanding what it feels like to be a, a father. Let's just use Occam's razor, like a father taking care of a precious child, right? And what it means to lose that child and now have to take care of another child. And what Ellie starts to really, really understand, she only really starts to understand that at the end of this episode. But even still like a child, her first thought is, I'm screwed without you. True. I can't mm -hmm. do this without you. Her thought is not, oh, Joel, be okay for you. I can't do this without you, Joel. I still need you. And that's what he's been fighting against the whole episode. He doesn't want her to be independent. That's why he wouldn't teach her to hunt and wouldn't let her do stuff. I think that's something else, though. Something that I kind of caught in this episode, which he ends up needing to give up. He's like, I can't do this. I feel like he needs to transport Ellie from the beginning because he wants a win. For all that he's lost 20 years ago, he needs this to make what went bad 20 years ago right in his eyes. But the closer that he gets, like, it starts with the possibility of Tommy being dead when they meet the older couple in the cabin. And then it continues at the prospect of losing Ellie to these fucking people. People, right? He's like, I'm totally helpless. I'm going through a panic attack. The dog's about to rip her face off, probably. And then he starts to have his thing. Finds out Tommy's okay. There is that sigh of relief. But at the same time, it's like, okay, I've lost Tommy as a brother. He left me before I had a chance to save him. So that purpose is gone. And he reminded me of the failure that I had 20 years ago and that my life stopped. So the bottom line is that like, he's starting to realize I want to be able to make it up to the Sarah of 20 years ago, but I just physically, it's too big for me. I got to give this up or else it's going to 
to kill me. It's the first time in his life that he feels like he has a life worth, either a life worth living, or he feels like life has some value to him. And maybe it's just the fact that he gets to see her survive and have a life to be able to move on. And then they could have a relationship maybe. But like, I feel like he's making up for something that he can no longer cash in. Does that make sense? I think telling himself that he can't do it, that he's too old and he's too deaf and he's too worn out. I think that's partly he's telling himself that so he doesn't feel like a piece of shit for not wanting to get close to her because uh, he's afraid of losing her. There's a line, okay, so the movie that they're watching later on is Goodbye Girl. In 1974, Richard Dreyfus, Marsha Mason. There's a line, you can hear it in the background later on when Tommy is getting ready to come tell Maria that he's leaving. There's a line that you hear in the background from the movie. The little girl is asking her mom what's tactful and her mom says lie. So that is what Joel is doing. He's lying to himself and telling himself that he's too old and that she's better off without him as a way to protect himself from getting close. A way to mm. avoid the real reason he doesn't want to do it, which he's as, as a, he is afraid of losing her. Or maybe just afraid of losing, <laughs> period. I mean, it could be her. It could be getting close to her. There's a part of me that thinks that he already is in this thing, this relationship. It's like it's already happened. I'm already close to her. I'm just like not acknowledging it. I know we're kind of splitting hairs here. I know that I'm getting closer. It's unavoidable. But if I get any closer, A, but and also if I lose her, I'm done anyway. If she dies now, I'm done. But I just can't have this on my shoulders anymore. It just can't be me that didn't do it. <laughs> it just can't be me that failed her this time around. So Tommy, you you fail her, please. Can you fail her, please? Fail Ellie for me, please. I'm not saying that's what's happening, but I'm saying in a weird, twisted way, it's like, I just can't be there. To Tommy's credit, he gets it. He knows. He's like telling him, yeah, that must have been hard for you to hear me say that stupid thing that I just said back at the bar. He's not happy about taking Ellie either, but I think he understands that my brother has never asked anything of me before. He's told me to do things before because my dumb ideas are too stupid for me to implement, so my brother's going to do them for me. Yeah, I'm, of course I'm going to do this for him, even though it sucks because I'm going to be a dad. I just told you I wanted to keep it safe. Takira says, yeah, those are 100% valid points, but Ellie is still young and they've been together months at this point. She's not going to be comfortable in, in the least with anyone else. And I think that's the thing. I think she argues with him, not because Joel is the 100% most capable person of taking care of her. I think she's arguing and I think she gets in his face to remind him that A, she's not Sarah because Sarah doesn't have the skills that I do, but also B, nut up. I'm not your daughter. Stop feeling things for me and just protect me. I'm selfish. Stop. Stop. I'm not your daughter. Stop. Okay. Now can you take care of me? That kind of weird kid kid logic. Like, but then Joel does it right back. Well, it makes sense though. They've been counting on each other for this long. They've learned to trust each other and learned to deal with each other. So you don't want to have to start all over with somebody new, especially when it's trusting someone else with your life. Both ways, not just her and Tommy, but Tommy and her. Joel made a point to say that Ellie saved him. It's not just about Joel protecting her. She's protecting Joel too. Mm -hmm. After building all of that up with somebody, you don't want to you don't want to just start over with somebody else and be like, okay, well, can I trust this person just because he says I can? Right. No, fuck that. Right. And Maria kind of offers that warning too. Like, do you really trust Tommy? <laughs> I don't know. She doesn't know him. But objectively speaking, like, like, let's talk objectively, right? Tommy is the better choice. He is younger. He is more spry. He has more endurance. I'm sure he's even stronger than Joel. If anything to me, it's just because he knows the area better. Mm -hmm. Yo, okay. Okay. You're questioning. That is life or death in this type of situation, especially with the weather being the way that it is. If you get lost out in the cold, you're dead. And everything is pitch white and you can't really tell the markers. Mm -hmm. Knowing where you are, knowing that area is of so much value. So in my mind, it did make sense. Now I'm not saying emotionally or story wise, did it make sense? No, that's why it didn't go the 
way that it did that we were like talking about right now. But well, like real world objectivity, though, Tommy is the better yeah. choice. So going back to Ellie, it's not about who's the most fit person to take her. I think she places value more on maybe like what Rachel says, you know, I've got his back and he's got mine, basically. Well, if we're to trust what both Maria said and what Joel has said about Tommy. Yes, while he might be physically more capable, is he truly, truly, truly the best choice? Because he's going to know what to do in a situation that goes sideways. Like Joel's going to know. Is Tommy going to know or is he going to look to a leader that's not there? I mean, his own wife says he's a a follower. (laughs) Also, how driven is Tommy to take care of Ellie and make sure she gets where she needs to go? When he has a wife and a child, how likely is he to put himself in danger to rescue Ellie when he has it's going to be more about the family, keeping himself alive yeah down. the family yeah, back comes in down home. to the two of them he's he's making it out of the situation alive not her yeah I do side with you ultimately but there's that little part of me that didn't expect and I didn't even notice it the first time around when I first watched it that the memorial was for Sarah too because I, I missed that I was I must have been doing something else and like oh it's Kevin and blah, 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 some other kid I didn't even catch it when Maria said oh that's Sarah don't you know Sarah that's Joel's kid I missed that the first time around too where were you <laughs> i don't know man just listen i got it this time but that there's something to that that's his baby girl i'm an uncle i know exactly what he's talking about i mean i, I it's not a daughter but at the same time that's that they lived in the same house or they, they practically lived in the same house they both took care of her first of all when i saw what tommy had said at bar and like my first thought was that yeah that's my baby girl too i lost her too i mean i know it's nothing compared to, to what you lost you know like now being an uncle i kind of get it when tommy Tommy apologized for it the, the way he'd said what he said. You know, it's not fair. You're blaming me for living and, you, and for you not living and for your time being time having stopped for you, your watch having been broken on the day of. And so I kind of appreciated what he said because I'm sure Tommy deep down feels terrible in some way or like that little bit of him that's like, is it okay to move on? He makes the memorial. Like he doesn't forget what happened, but he doesn't allow it, allow it to drag him down. But at the same time, I'm sure there's a part of him that feels guilty, which is why he ultimately decides to take Ellie off his hands. He sees his brother's suffering. He knew it from the start. It's almost as if I'm not discounting anything you guys have said, because I ultimately agree with you. Really? But I'm about 100%. <laughs> no, no. 100%. But I completely disagree. But there's no. But you're all totally wrong. No, no. You're right. You're 100% right. But there's a lot behind that that pulls him in the, in the other direction. I got to do this for him. How mature is Joel that he hasn't been able to let go of this over 20 years? Not discounting people who've lost children, okay? Okay. That's the irony. But this though. this is the apocalypse. Everybody's lost a fucking kid. Here we go, Maria, for example, who also lost a child, and she hasn't let her let it absolutely destroy and dominate her life. It's like alcoholism or drug addiction. She put it into the commune. <laughs> Your maturity level stops at the moment of addiction. Your development, in a sense. His whole world did stop, but it's not it's not his actual world. He was working and he met Tess and he was doing other things. But emotionally, he was going through the motions of having a life. He wasn't having a life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I felt the same way about Rick after Lori died. When we got crazy, mm-hmm. Rick, I felt the same way. Yeah. It was like, Rick, Ugh. you are not the only person who's lost somebody. Everybody else has gotten their shit together. What but, is wrong with you? And he's and he did still <laughs> have a kid counting you? on him. Two kids <laughs> counting on him. And he still went cuckoo crazy pants. And his <laughs> wife sucked. <laughs> yeah. And she totally sucked. We were all better off with her dead. Well, she didn't even know where your kid was. Your biting comments <laughs> aside, 
the I'm the thing that 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 whole situation taught me though was that grief hits everybody in different ways, and sometimes people are true. are helpless mm-hmm. or in various degrees of helpless helplessness when that does happen. I don't want to but, sound like a heartless person. I'm just saying sometimes. <laughs> no, you have I know, to I know. No, but that's, do what I think you it's safe to, to say that men. I think it's safe to say that men are also bigger babies about everything. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, I know. I was you heard me. All right. No, I I you know funnily right. enough, funnily you know enough, right. I was gonna mention also how that when you take what Rick goes through with some of the things I've seen with women who've had postpartum depression, which is it was the irony of what you just said is kind of interesting, is that they're helpless against this thing that is taken over their lives just after what should be, and they're ashamed of this, the most miraculous mm-hmm. and beautiful thing that's ever happened to them. A painful, yes, albeit sure, but they did the thing and yet they feel depressed and then ashamed. And so they, I get it. It's weird that like when you mix those two things together how you're helpless against your own grief and so bring it down the room class since 19 and yeah, no, whatever but i don't know i i, I chose to see it th- this way and, well and while the room it. is down yeah <laughs> well the room is already down so i don't bring it down again later well at least nobody can blame me i did want to touch on the conversation between joel and tommy in the bar i had said last night that i wanted to talk about it because i agreed with joel in that moment i understand that from an outside perspective it looks like Joel was kind of being a dick. (laughs) And he is. Tommy's having a baby that's like exciting, right? You guys know like I've lost two babies and I've had a lot of people in my life tell me that they're having babies, including my baby brother. Yeah. The anger that I have felt towards people that I love. I'm like so over the moon happy for them, but I am so pissed that they get what I don't get to have. And I'm older. I did things the right way, not for a lot of my life, but in this path, I did the traditional thing and I like got married and like I did the right order of things and like why am I not getting what I thought that I was supposed to get that depth of anger that frustration that sentence well we'll see and he's like what the hell kind of response is that I've had that response to people where I'm like good for you I'm not happy about it I don't want to be that person that like has that like really negative response what a dick thing to say but I don't know like give us a second of freaking process man here's this thing be happy for me it's like no like I I'm miserable. That broke my heart. What you just told me is like a kick to the gut. And it's not your fault, but here we are. Tommy hasn't seen or talked to Joel in, I'm guessing, several years. Um, I mean, they have the messages go back and forth, but they I haven't mean, seen or really Months had, like, at minimum. Months. Uh-huh, yeah. Or maybe months a whole year. Because, well, Tommy's been gone for maybe. a long time. For, for like almost yeah. more a year. So here comes Joel, who he hasn't seen in years, let's say. Let's say a couple years, whatever. And Joel just shows up and he's got this kid with him and Tommy's like well maybe he's changed and he's found a reason to live or whatever so let me share this great news with him never expecting that Joel has not that's a good point progressed from where he was that's fair yeah that's fair that's a good point yeah because uh, seeing him take care of another kid might have been like oh maybe maybe he's he's maybe doing he's gotten, better he's gotten over it and he's mm. Nope. (laughs) It's hard though, because like when you're in it, even that thought, it doesn't take away the pain of what you already lost. Mm. When I got pregnant the second time, and I was able to share that with people, it was almost like all of that pain that I had from the first one like wasn't even relevant anymore. You should just be fine. Like the 
slate was wiped clean and you have another one in you now. So it's like, it's not a big deal. And it's like, no, it, it still hurts. There's terminology for that. It drives me insane. People refer to a baby after a miscarriage as a rainbow baby. I hate that term. Well, what is that? So a rainbow baby is when you successfully have a child after a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be like the joy after the storm. Mm -hmm. But that first baby isn't a storm. No. That's a terrible it's thing a to say. It's a horrible thing to say. Well, it's, it's That's the not loss. a storm. It's... I understand that the loss is yeah. horrible. But still but like, a child. That was a child. That was a child who I yeah. loved with every part of my being. I loved deeper than yeah. I ever could someone I had never met. How dare you like make it that minuscule and redundant and just boil it down to this cutesy thing so you can like, well, like, oh, you're gonna have your rainbow baby. It's so disgusting. I totally get Sharon. I get what you mean. Cause that would be a fair assumption for Joel to right. make. Well, I'm not I wasn't using that to yeah. change Joel. No, no, no. And <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm not like I wasn't, <laughs> like, I wasn't trying no. to make Joel's reaction less. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying that was no. that was Tom's point of view. I totally get that. I totally get that. But like the pain is still there. So like yeah. anyway, I needless to say, all of this is because I'm like very much team Joel in this situation. <laughs> like fuck Tommy. <laughs> that pain doesn't ever go away. Even when you do have a child, you will always, always think about and remember the one that you lost. For those of you who don't know, I have a 10 year gap between my brother and myself with my two sisters, my one sister Gia who's a year apart from me and Adina who's only two more years so three years apart from me and then there's a whole gap between her Adina and my younger brother Ike well in that gap my mother had two miscarriages she over the years she had told me about that and it never quite goes away whenever she does think about it she thinks upon you know what that what those two children could have been for her she doesn't talk about it at all I, I remember hearing it only once in the last couple of years it's a loss of possibility what would they look like yeah how would they be would you they know, be in just... college? Would they be married already? And like going to the, the episode, yeah. her watching what would have been her daughter at 34 years, caring about her own kid. I could have been a grandfather. I should have been a grandfather. I could have found somebody else. I was just talking about my would-be daughter last night. She'd be 18. I'd have an 18-year-old right now. <laughs> Damn Damn I know. <laughs> I know. I know, well, got me you, so know you had already brought it down. So <laughs> let's we keep going. Do you have any regrets that you want to air out on a revel in the sadness live stream? I never regretted not having kids. Sorry. Me I'm too. Sorry. I'm just trying to bring it up a little bit. Sorry. But there could have been tons of bastard children I have. I'll never know. David, how many kids do you have running around out Probably there? Probably five, really? I want to say. Well, if Dave has five, Joshua Jackson has seven. So you brought the room down. <laughs> You brought the room down even further. <laughs> just exploit my pain, why don't you? I like Sharon, never, you did yours early. I just never want you to forget. <laughs> I totally get what you were saying too, because it's so much more accessible to be angry in that moment than it is to constantly feel the weight of like this shame that you shouldn't have, but you do. What's wrong with me that I couldn't, right? Because I feel you. It's so much easier to be angry than constantly full of shame in a oh. sense, whether it's shame that you acknowledge and whether it's shame that you don't yeah. acknowledge, right? Because no, there's it, tons of unacknowledged shame, I'm sure. It is. It is. For no reason, but- Anybody who's been through this, and I, I know Rachel's heard this a bajillion times, I'm sure, in her life, but like you're- 
you're always <laughs> hearing the like, it's not your fault. Don't blame yourself. Yeah, I know. Logically, right. yes, it right. is not my fault. If it feels like it. Did I do something wrong? I'm yeah. telling you, it feels like I am broken and I did something wrong. And it's the same thing for Joel, right? He couldn't stop it. He couldn't save her. He couldn't fix the situation. I'm sure he's been told by Tommy even. It's not your fault. You've got to move past it. I don't know. Something about your brain and your heart, they just freeze in that moment forever. And it's like, it just doesn't, it doesn't ever go away. I can move on. I can work through it in therapy. You know, I talk about it constantly because talking about it makes me feel like maybe in some way I'm moving forward. If I can bring it up and other people feel better about what they've gone through, then at least it makes it worth the damn, the whole thing. Well, you kind of made that whole thing with Rick actually kind of valid because everybody has their own way of processing and not moving on per se, but like dealing with the world after that level of loss. Yeah. The fact that Rick recovered as quickly as he did, even though it was agonizingly long for us, (laughs) is kind of impressive Uh, now that you mention it. Bridget, but real grief is complicated. You're moving forward and you're getting stuff done and you're, you know, I've I've done many things since then and I've focused on many other things. This podcast being one of them. You're very impressive, Bridget. If it weren't for this podcast, I don't know where I would be because I was in a a rough spot. Bridget makes the rest of us look like shit. (laughs) Bridget makes us feel terrible about ourselves. She's so impressive. Let's, you know what? Like, we need to be more organized. I'm so pissed this, off right now, Bridget. And I'm like, and like maybe I want to end this podcast do. right now. I'm so like <laughs> feelings of resentment over you being su- like superior to me in every way. Well, should we should call it Squawking Bridget. Let's just, let's just call this podcast. No, Bridget. Sorry. Bridget is the Leslie Nope That's of our redundant. group. <laughs> oh, it's true. That's fair. I feel. You are. I feel like that's that's probably it's not really good the most it? fair it's analogy. It's very redundant. The, the Leslie Nope. <laughs> you are not better than yes. Bridget dead. Squawking Leslie. <laughs> I mean Leslie Leslie. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> Anyway, ne- it's not an uh, anyway, attack. moral it's a to this moral to this story yeah. is that it's still with you, Rachel. You're talking 18 years plus, right? Yeah, I know it's still with you, and I'm so sorry. And I know that that doesn't I'm not do any. Stop it! You shut I know your face. it doesn't do anything. <laughs> I know that doesn't do anything for you. So. I'm sorry that my apology doesn't. I wish it could do something better. But my whole point with this, I'm not suggesting anybody should ever forget something like that. You're never going to forget. Yeah. But both of you, using you guys as an example, you have moved on and kept going with your lives and made new bonds and loved new people and not let it shut you down for 20 years. That's the difference. We've learned to live with it. The term moving on makes me feel like there's something to forget or move on from, but it's something that I live with. I've learned to live with it. Yeah. You didn't let it drag you but you didn't you, you didn't let didn't it stop let it you from living yes the things that you no, have not at all yeah that's the not point. at all it's something that's, it, i was about it, to use the move on word but i, yeah. I didn't want to I, i'll apologize ahead of time sorry david but i think that's a big difference between men and women as well women <laughs> are able to live with this kind of pain where in my experience you know it sort of stunts men because we deal with we do tend tend to deal with thing, these things differently when it comes to grief when it comes to mm-hmm. yeah we don't get yeah. to have yeah. carry a child then lose it i mean on the other end of the scale 
child, it's like there is a level of helplessness to our experience where Mm -hmm. I want to do something for you, but I know that I can't. Even though there's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I've been there. And that is triggering. There's not knowing what to do, wanting to do, but knowing you can't. And then you, you, I'm the person that classically goes overboard. I'm the person that will do something that is so completely outrageous that you think is thoughtful, but is actually probably doing more harm than than good. And I'm remembering so many damn clear things from my life where I did that for people who were dealing with such tremendous loss, whether it's, and I'll say it, I, I, I remember helping more than one person go to an abortion clinic or having to deal with somebody who had a miscarriage or a stillbirth, or now that I'm kind of thinking about it, wow, there's so many instances like that where I've had to be there for people who in the end, like half of them, maybe three quarters of them, not in my life anymore, but just making me think about it. It's one in four pregnancies is the statistic. And those are just the ones that are reported. Mm-hmm. So it's actually believed that it's higher than that. Right. It's very common. Well, at least specifically with that. Yeah. But yeah. It, it's like anything like, yeah, we do. We do tend to deal with things differently. And especially when it comes to something so specific, there's nothing you can do about. Wait, let's just blame medicine. Yeah. yeah. It's all medicine. <laughs> See, she stole all my eggs She's and it's why I'm not fertile. She's after all just the eggs. That in the chamber. <laughs> Fucking Madison. To Padre, Fuck. the father. Anyway, whatever. Not the father. <laughs> I think to Kira, because I just she's just out of scrolling range. She says he would have basically had to put himself right back to the situation, losing a little girl he was responsible for. And also knowing her blood could change things for everyone. Right, Rachel. Ellie can be brave enough to risk her life for Joel because of the bond they have and still are creating. Joel didn't even try to make it the three of them. He just tried to pawn her off. Right, right. I was wondering that as well as I was watching. Like, why couldn't he oh. do it with Tommy? Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's specifically what I because he just didn't want to be in any way responsible for anything that could he's he's admitting weakness. This is the big thing. I, there's something great about Tommy and Joel in this episode, and that's Tommy really is showing how mature that he is. Like he that he sees right through Joel. He takes the hits from Maria, that jerk. But because Maria is just another Joel, just who whose shit happened to work out with this commune. But going back to Joel, it's like he sees through him. He says, I was out of line, blah, blah, blah. You know what? You've shouldered so much of this blame and burden and pain and loss, and you've not been able to move on. I said what I said, but I shouldn't have said it. So let me do this for you. You've done so much for me. And I love that. And I love that Joel is in a way self-aware enough to know this is beyond me. In this moment that I'm feeling right now, this pain is beyond me. This overwhelmingness is beyond me. And I'm helpless and I'm grasping at straws and I see you're mature, Tommy. And at the same time, this girl needs to get the cure out so that your kid could have a better world. Fuck my pain. Your kid needs a better world to live in. So Tommy, please do the things because I can't. It's out of my depth. Takira says I have a four-year-old and I'm still not over the three I lost to get her. Yeah. And Walking Dead Eternal, thank you, he says. I think I'm assuming it's a he, but I'm so sorry. I don't know why you're a he soul. And maybe that says a lot about me. I'm sorry for your loss, he says. Takira says, I, I will never be over the right. Uh, and it's even crazier when someone that has gone through the same thing expects you to get over it because you have another one. I'm so sorry. Yeah. It doesn't matter what happens before or after the loss of a child changes everything about you. I've always believed that Rick's extreme grief was about the time he spent not making up with Lori that he could get back and less about him losing his wife. Right. I right. always figured the that's what it was about too. Yeah. yeah. The regret that he had. Right. Which yeah. doesn't that explain in a, in a way sometimes the little bit of the loss they have uh, from like a miscarriage is kind of like the person they could have been in a sense. Yeah. All that it's, time it's they could everything, have been. It's everything. It's the, all the what Some ifs. of that. Yeah. Yeah. Not everything, but some. Oh, we have a question from Walking Dead Eternal. Mm. Off topic, <laughs> but do you think, do you all think that Rick found out that Jadis set him up on 9-5? <laughs> mm-hmm. Walking Dead Eternal. Where did this come from? I think by, I think by now. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think I think so. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. so. If we're going to talk about other shows, then I want to We're going to talk about Yellowstone. <laughs> no, no, I'm shutting this shit down right now. <laughs> we're Sam Elliott when we need him. Well, okay. Actually, there is a Yellowstone crossover moment here yep. that Charity and I need to talk about. Graham Greene, who was- The old couple at the beginning. I do not want to be offensive. He is native. Yeah. Graham Greene yeah. is native. Uh, He's half, Oneida. Half and half, yeah. yeah. He's or, Oneida tribe. Well, because he mentioned one of the reservations on the sh- on the episode, which he might have intimate knowledge of. Wind River. He is on Yellowstone, 1883. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> he's also on a better show, I'm assuming, because I haven't watched Yellowstone. <laughs> yeah, he's on a better show called Yellowstone. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, you like Yellowstone so much, but you guys really need to watch <laughs> Longmire because he plays. I love Longmire. There you go. He was also the medicine man in Dances with Wolves. Mm, oh, wow. Which he is really another young. Yellowstone connection a la Kevin Costner. Yes. Mm-hmm. And here's another mm-hmm. one. According to the map, I've got this from a podcast I watched earlier. The river they crossed would have been the Yellowstone River. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just endless Yellowstone. Yeah. But you mean, look, for you real, mean the river of death? The sticks. Yeah. The river sticks. The river sticks. Yeah. The river of death. That old couple, the couple at the beginning were hilarious. Mm. Like they, they were oh my God. hilarious. You made them so good. Yeah. They're they, firefly they, people. They're firefly people. <laughs> I love (laughs) the lines were fantastic. The delivery is what got me. Yes. It was so dry. So deadpan. Yes. They reminded me of a Native American Dan and Roseanne Connor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that for them. I have to say, I don't think I said this on camera last night. I think I said this after we cut. They reminded me of the Inuit family from Z Nation. Nation. You know, Citizen Z marries marries the guy. Yeah, like that's who they remind me of. Is like, you remember like the grandma who just doesn't say Mm -hmm. anything? That's what they were. That's what it reminded me of. The super dry. Plus, I said this off camera last night too. This episode reminded me of Black Summer. Season two. Because of all the winter, yeah. Because of all the <laughs> oh, snow yeah. and all the and it was specifically pretty. kind of that episode where they go to that resort. I keep mentioning this one where they go to the ski resort. It's like the I, most I memorable what, part of the season. It's, it's the most such anchoring a good part. part of the season. But yeah, the silence outside and just hearing nature, that was it. You didn't hear anything else. So I'm done with my <laughs> offshoots. Well, it's very apt. Yeah. Because <laughs> we thought the lodge was was like the port in the storm as well. Mm-hmm. And we thought this episode could be that. But it uh, not near the end. When they were approached by the people from Jackson and they had the dog with them, what is your reasoning as to why the dog did not? Ooh, ooh, go, Rachel, go, oh, oh, do it. Me, pick me. <laughs> yeah, you do it. All right, Bridget. No, <laughs> no, <she's not> no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> my first thought. I don't. I don't know if I'm right, but this is just where my brain went. My first thought was that he was trained to, to sniff cadavers, and she's still alive. Oh. That's a really interesting mm-hmm. idea. I don't know if this is from the official podcast, but I did hear that Druckman went on record saying that the dog can sniff something surface level. He cannot sniff what is in her blood mm-hmm. because the bite is healed. The dog can't smell it. 
So she was bleeding from the cut. It would I be think. similar to a cadaver dog because he would be smelling putrescine, the necrotic, the necrotic flesh. Yeah, the necrotic pr- putrescine. Flesh. Right, that's the smell. And she doesn't have any. She's alive. I mean, I was a little worried, but I was like, no, she's she's alive. She has no open wounds. <laughs> I'm glad you weren't worried. I was actually a little. I bit was terrified. Yeah, I wasn't terrified. What do you think <laughs> about the dog versus the electronic? Oh, the the device, the, ele- the electronic mm. zapper that they so, use. I'm glad you asked because I my theory was okay continuing the theme of the dave is bill theory is that whatever she has inside her is basically destroying whatever infection she has slowly but surely i think she'll always have scars to remember it, the bite or whatever by but i think whatever fungus she may or may not have in her Bites. is well yeah the two in the same <laughs> in the same spot god damn it how convenient so for, is the thing that's for special effects the, right <laughs> right it's like oh this- phew, we don't have to do a leg just one spot right here but like i think she'll always have a scar she's got long sleeves on too right exactly <laughs> we, don't, we don't have to reapply every single time yeah just yeah, yeah, like a, just, an additional couple bumps for the second bite whatever so just throw some long sleeves on we can skip that whole exactly yeah procedure. oh yeah i don't have to spend an hour on a chair for a little bite but yeah at the same time it decreases over time and so like so sharon do you like to your point will she scan uh and, and be detected? I don't know. I doubt it now. Is the scanny thing taking a temperature? Is it poking her and drawing I blood think it's in, of some a kind? Blood what is sample. it doing? If you'll notice after they, I forget who they shoot, but you can see the ring left around their neck like it actually stuck them. Like Took an insulin reader. Blood. Yeah. That's kind of what I was picturing. But like, that's a prick and then it has to draw out so that it, so it does it all in one. I think it's just doing one. it all in one. Like a little prick. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it must be detecting levels of trace elements of a chemical that is present in an infection, let's say. That's probably what it's... I don't know what they're using to test against, but that's the best you can do because you don't really know the science. I need to yell this at Thomas. It's because he was outstanding in his field, Tom. No, don't. No. No, you missed last week. Don't encourage him. I'm triggered from yesterday. I even mentioned... Okay, so... There was a little callback to episode three with the monkeys. Because remember when they were talking about what caused the outbreak and Ellie was like, it's monkeys. I bet it was monkeys. And then in this episode, we have all the monkeys in the lab. I like that. They science themselves into monkeys. (laughs) In addition to that, just like, oh, they just turn themselves into monkeys and just. That's what all their research did. Fuck being human. Let's be monkeys and have a monkey old time. So this episode actually answered some questions that I had. Does cordyceps affect dogs and horses and such? Which apparently it does not because we have dogs and we have horses. We had a dog anyway. And sheep and other Mm -hmm. barnyard pets. So I guess it only adapted to humans, which human Mm. human body temperatures are are slightly lower than most mammals. Like dogs and cats average like 104. So So you're saying just wait for it. Wait, yeah, the animals will be (laughs) there. We'll have cordyceps creatures, or at least oh, creatures no. that are closer to our body temperature. This suddenly uh, cor- got like really we'll bad Resident Evil chefs. movies. <laughs> I'm, I we'll can't wait for season two. Cordyceps. <laughs> Corda shepherds and cordyceps. Everybody Bad. loves contractors. The contractor. Did you notice what Tommy was doing when they rolled in? Contracting? Building. No. Building. He's contracting. <laughs> He's contracting. Yeah. 
boy. And I didn't like him. So the theory that everybody likes contractors is <laughs> incorrect. Damn. Well, you're not everybody. I liked him a lot. My opinion matters the most. I thought we established this already. <laughs> right. Squawking Bridget or Bridget Bridget or squawking squawking. Whatever. Bridget, Same thing. Bridget. <laughs> why is it, it my name twice? Bridget Bridge. Squawking dead. Syllables. I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, Tahir says I was a little nervous. I think around the dog, but I knew the dog wouldn't sense anything with her. Why though? She wasn't sick or bleeding at the time, so there shouldn't have been anything for him to smell. Kind of goes to what Sharon was saying. Whoa, Thomas says their anal readers are more accurate. Quarter doodles. They usually are. I don't know what quarter doodles means, but I guess I'll find out. Having said it out loud. Oh, like labrador doodles? <laughs> Cowdiceps. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas likes himself on the show, being on the show. T- Tommy Miller, Tommy O'Mara. Tommy. I could never Wait. call Thomas Tommy. Just no. feels weird. I bet tons of kids Tommy. in school called Thomas Tommy O'Mara. Hey, Tommy. 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 <laughs> it just feels weird. It's just, just like I don't that, like too. It. I don't yeah, like you got to say it like that. <laughs> hey, Tommy. Get over I don't here. I like it. <laughs> You son of a bitch ass down here and stop telling like those that. those punny jokes. Nope. <laughs> Lies. No nope. Lies, Tommy. <laughs> no, I'm gonna you call weren't him little Tommy. <laughs> little Tommy O'Mara. <laughs> my god I'm like what am i right now dude what something is, is possessing me right now and i'm sorry i, I hope know. it's not a bullier are you like from staten island like what's happening right Sammy. now <laughs> <laughs> only my niece calls me uncle tommy because i wouldn't allow her to call me uncle tom oh, oh. now now <laughs> so what is about like- the, price, the price of eggs <laughs> Anyway, in this economy, <laughs> exactly. Uh, in this egg oh. economy, <laughs> uh, oh, that you just made the joke better. True. So at the end of the episode, if you didn't notice, Tommy gives Joel the 700, the scope that allows him to do long range rifle shots. Why did I think this was going in a really weird direction? I thought you were going to talk about the 700 club. And I was like, what? We could talk about that now and see if that connects to the episode. I don't know what that is. Sorry. Does it, Do you remember what the 700 Club is, Charity? Oh, yes. Very yeah. well. What that is that? Weird. It's still on. It's like a televangelism it's, talk show, yeah. but it's, it's, yeah. it is over the top. I, like, I'm, I'm a Christian and I <laughs> oh, think I'm it's over the top. <laughs> it, it still comes top. on like local TV That's stations. That's like super it's, Christian. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's not. It's beyond it. It's some other thing. Pat Robertson uh, is the uh well the, uh, he may have just passed away, but anyway, Pat Robertson was the, um the guy that did it. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, it goes goes it just go figure because I did grow up around that seven Sunday morning evangelist. It's television, your unrelated pop culture reference of the episode. It's like PTL. What is that? Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. Oh, you know how I know about that? I know about that from when James Randi uncovered their scamming of the, the miracles that he was performing. He had gotten notes ahead of their sermons describing their ailments, and he, and he basically found out it's an earpiece from when Tammy was up in the office telling yes, him about it. I've heard the I've heard the audio. I've James heard the Randi audio. On Johnny Carson. Did you ever see the movie Leap of Faith with Steve Martin and Deborah Winger and Liam Neeson? It's all about- Yes, the, I must the, have seen it. Like faith but, healers and how they, how they do their tricks. 
drinks and stuff. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. And you can thank James, James or Andy for all of it, by the way. Travis is a very interested in watching video footage of his interviews and stuff. He's such a cool guy. He was so interesting because he just wanted to disprove charlatans. I mean, he mm-hmm. wanted them to be right in a sense, though. Too. Get on board with that. Well, because it was like a bunch of psychics. It was like so many people were psychics and stuff. Dowsers, faith healers, psychics, uh, mediums. I was just told yeah. to keep his name out my mouth. Don't expose me. I I know some of the churchgoers love that stuff. <laughs> I don't want the government to know where I'm at. <laughs> the address is. <laughs> uh, you, guys, you guys are out in Wyoming somewhere, aren't you? Right. Montana. Montana. Just Montana. told everybody where you were like a moment ago. Go look for her <laughs> at the four Nebraska. sixes. <laughs> but yeah, no, because he was a former entertainer. He was uh, an illusionist. Illusionist. Thank you. He's an illusionist. So he knows that playbook. He knows things that scientists won't look out for. That's his whole shtick. Didn't like, he I know how this, Edgar Casey? He, he's he done everybody. so he, many people. Too many. <laughs> the JRF is still a thing. The uh, James Randy Foundation. They, they're still looking for mm-hmm. people to take away the million dollars. Nobody has stepped up once to, to claim it. Sorry, that was really off topic. Well, anyway, so yes, Tommy Tommy does give Joel the scope, the rifle with the scope, the 700 scope that he talked about. Oh, I can I can clip an infected oh, half yeah, a that's mile where we away. Were. <laughs> What? Oh, oh back oh, there yeah. again. <laughs> well, I had to complete the sentence. I know. I you know what the 700 Club is? Well, I'll let me tell you. Apparently, Thomas said it has something to do with bowling, which I had no idea. How does it even add up? You know what? I stopped figuring it out. I oh, oh, he is a member of the 700 Club. Not don't, a member of the Mile High Club, though. Don't, don't, no, uh, don't read. Don't read anymore. Don't read anymore. Don't read anymore. I've given a lot of people the scope, the scope in quotes. Stop, stop. It's not going to be in the episode, but let's just, you know. (laughs) I don't like it. I want to do a quick shout out to the cinematography because there were some amazingly gorgeous shots in this episode, especially of great B-roll Ellie and Joel riding the horse with the silhouette, mm-hmm. you know, there in the background mm-hmm. and it was just gorgeous mm-hmm. and the white expanse just when they were riding and all you could see was just white and then the street sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was one shot actually, if you missed it, I wouldn't blame you, but it shows them on kind of like a cliffside against the river way in the background. They're like a little dot where a campfire was would be across the river and it's a just a really good at the evening like kind of like at dusk so it's kind of blue all over but you see the campfire light you don't see them you don't even you barely don't even see their silhouettes but you know that they're there they don't even mm-hmm. have to be there for the shot to work but you know it's them they're spending time with each other when they do going back to the 700 <laughs> when they're actually doing the target practice you see Joel smiling the whole time he's leaning into that life he gets it like I may lose her but it's worth it this is what living is living is accepting the fact that you might lose people and that it's not your fault, and that this world is kind of fucked up. If the old people didn't tell you that, if Maria didn't tell you that, that you basically don't, your default is don't trust anybody, and this world is going to get you, probably. Lean into that life, live, because what is actually surviving or enduring and surviving worth? She chose him, and he chose her even before he knew he chose her. But, you know, I did want to bring it back to Bill and Frank for a hot sec. There's a point at which, okay, there's the movie, you Mm. see Joel in the cobbler shop. Cobbler? Yeah, that's what it's called. Sure. (laughs) It's also a delicious 
treat that Jerry makes. Right. Yeah. I say Tommy is truly grown. He comes back. He apologizes to Joel. So when Joel is just spilling his guts to Tommy, the words of Bill rang out. I was never scared until I met you. Mm. I was never afraid until I met you. That's Joel telling Tommy, I was never afraid until I met her. All of this is because I met her. I couldn't help myself but caring about her. I couldn't help, help myself from trying to do with her what I couldn't do for Sarah. And that's why, folks, that third episode is really, really good. Because these things that Bill feels along the way, he doesn't stop it from happening. He lets it change him. And he was the better for it for 20 years. With Joel, it was the exact opposite. He kept fighting it, fighting it, fighting it. And Ellie gets it. Maybe that's how the relationship is supposed to be. He needs to be that way. Ellie needs to wear him down until the point where he fucking dies from all the, the manhood in him. <laughs> like, trying to keep it all inside. Like, no, I'm not changed. I'm not changed. Until he finally can't hold it in and has to have a conversation with Tommy. Tommy! And then... <laughs> And to give up the ghost because <laughs> it's too much. It's just too much. And he and kudos to to Joel. He admits his frailties, which I every time I watch this episode, and I've only watched it twice. It's I, I <laughs> so can't two times. <laughs> so I, two times. Right in in the past uh, twenty four hours, we watched it twice. That makes sense. Yeah, I had a, I had a job to do the whole day. So, but like every time I think about this episode, I think to myself, it's only six episodes in, and we get this level of character development out of Joel. But I say that because I didn't expect it. Because you feel, I, I said it last night. I said, I thought he was going to be Joel, you know, Joel, till the day he died. Oh, you're a cargo, blah, blah, blah. Ugh. I mean, I kind of like you. Ugh. Like, I thought maybe the worst, the best we get out of him is you're all right. You know, and then like all of a sudden he's like admitting frailties. He's admitting vulnerabilities. He's saying, I can't do it. This is impossible for me. Please take this burden from me, Tommy. I, I was Ooh, just ouch. so impressed because you feel like there's this like trope in television where you have to keep the audience baited on the hook. Okay, here's exactly what I'm thinking, okay? For uh, three million seasons, Smallville baited the hook of... <laughs> three million seasons. <laughs> baited the hook of, of uh, Clark and Lana. Ugh. Will they, won't they? All the way through Ugh. until... There was Bluff. almost like this self-aware moment when they, whatever, things happen. You might want to watch the show. I still think it's a good show, but like that one aspect of it. Ugh. And then like they couldn't be there for, they couldn't be with each other forever because of something that happens. <laughs> it's like, now they won't be. So shut the fuck up. And now we're going to end the series. But then in this season series, they do something that is, they make Joel not a trope. They make him human. And I did not expect that to happen only six episodes into a nine episode season. I'm just so impressed with that move. It's not even a disrespect to the audience because all shows do this. They bait the hook to get you to keep watching, but they take a chance and they change this character and they develop him to the point where it's okay to be vulnerable. And that's okay because the circumstances are going to change to where that vulnerability is going to have actual relevance to the show. And now Ellie is faced with the prospect of understanding finally what it means to lose somebody you truly care about and who truly cares about you. And I think she finally understands why Joel kept rejecting her. Like, really? <laughs> At least Akira's reacting. Laugh my ass off, Tom. <laughs> Oh, um, let me go to what Walking Dead Eternal says. What, what do you rate the season so far? Nine out of ten for me. Why not ten out of ten? What makes it not ten? It's not Yellowstone. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a ten out of ten. Yep. Sham um, Elliot agrees. Well, what about you, Rach? Um, 
I don't know. That's tough to say. I Come feel like Bridget. I need to need me? to wait till the okay. Are you, are you ready? Well, no, give me time to think about it. I'm, are you ready for this? Talking or anything? <laughs> you ready for this? <laughs> Sorry. Six out of ten. Video games better. That's my opinion. Okay, fair. There's been some good moments. We talked like about said, this last night. Yeah, we did. This episode is, I think, one of my favorites so far. Mm, sorry. But, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, sorry, what is Rachel. So- what What do you rate it? What is it yeah, that's I so know, hard? I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. You were supposed to be thinking while I was talking. <laughs> I was paying attention to the words coming out of your face. Oh, no. Ignore that. <laughs> no, was, I, it wasn't what anyone wanted to hear. <laughs> I was listening. Unlike when I was trying to listen to Rachel, I listened to what you said, Bridget. <laughs> Why are you ganging up on Rachel? <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's why. Oh, I'm, I'm hating on myself right nobody now. Likes, nobody likes Rachel. It's all right. Stop. All well, gun, gun to your head, Rachel. What do you think about the series as a whole so far? Oh, gun to your head. Okay, what I, was, what I was about to say before Dave so rudely interrupted me was that I... <laughs> I actually wanted to like finish. I can't, I don't think I have an opinion until the season's over. I need to see how shit wraps up before I can give it Mm. an overall rating. I like that. Because there are things that I like. There are things I, you know, maybe, I'm I'm not going to say I don't like, but maybe feel frustrated about. But you'll forgive it if you see something. Nick Offerman Mm. gives it it an automatic five out of 10. So right there, he's half the scoreboard. (laughs) (laughs) But if you had to ask me, gun to my head, I, I, I'll probably say eight out of ten. With Longmire being the ten, he's so aggressive. Yeah, where are these guns guns? coming from? (laughs) Seven hundred club to your head. (laughs) (laughs) Sam Elliott does. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I just love the voice. I used. <laughs> Sometimes the barbecue, the dude abides. Um, <laughs> Sometimes you eat the bar. Sometimes the barbecue. Now I sound like somebody else that I'm trying to remember. You sound like Gabby yeah, Hayes. Sometimes the barbecue. You sound like Gabby <laughs> Hayes from the old westerns. <laughs> Gage. <laughs> Tom says 9.8725 out of 10. Very specific. 9.8725. Yeah, I'm with Walking Dead Eternal. I give it an 8. And that's not a bad thing. I just have, I'm an asshole. It's, that's really what it comes down to. I don't know Walking Dead Eternal is. I'm like. Dave's the kind of person that it can't ever have a 10 because nothing will be perfect. Nothing's perfect. <laughs> nothing holds a candle <laughs> to long wire. Uh, apparently, apparently that's my impression of you. <laughs> Guys, nothing. You know what? You're not wrong, actually. You're 100%. I'm very self-aware, like like Joel, like in this moment. I'm basically Joel. <laughs> yeah. Basically very self-aware of my failings. That's me, 100%. And I t- I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. And I'll run to the 700 Club. Uh <laughs> I do like the little bit of a metaphor of Joel having to resole his boots because his soul is running thin. <laughs> the, things, the things you catch in second watch. <laughs> I'm like grossed out by it. <laughs> Nobody's perfect. <laughs> no show is a 10 okay. out of 10. Can we talk about Goodbye Girl? Look, yeah, let's go back to that. Sure. Sharon D., I don't know if this was on the official podcast. I read this earlier today. Druckmann went on record saying that the Goodbye Girl was used for this scene because, yes, it is a love story between a man and a woman, but more so it's a love story between a little girl and this man who could potentially be her father. And that mm. was why they utilized that movie. That was in the official podcast. So is there some irony there that she's watching it alone? 
<laughs> she's the one, only one on the same page. She's like, yeah, I want you to be my protector, bitch. Why are you running away from me? I recommend that movie, but please watch the original with Richard Dreyfuss, not the remake. Was there a remake? Who's in the Who, remake? Who's it with? <sighs> I want to say was Jeff it called Daniels. that too? Yeah, let me look. I haven't it up. seen either one, but I've heard terrible, terrible things about the remake. I like Jeff Daniels though. I do too. I do too. I do too. And he's from your. He's sometimes, from Michigan. He is. He's sometimes been, good. He's been known to make some really horrible bad projects, movies. Though. <laughs> he's made some really bad movies. You mean like Dumb and Dumber and Er Er and Dumb and Dumber too? No, the Ers. Yeah, doesn't matter. The Ers were the The Ers were not. He won. He won his. He had his moment in the sun. That's that's fine. And his music is great, by the way. I should drop a pin in that too. Jeff Daniels and Patricia Heaton were in the remake. Ah, it was damn. not good at all. It was terrible. Uh. So Joel had previously told Ellie that his brother was in Cody, Wyoming. That happened in episode four. And they did make it close to Cody, but it was crawling with infected. Based on the map that was seen, they were near Yellowstone Lake. <laughs> right. Just so you know. Which is what we mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The entrance to the community of Jackson is similar to the way that it looks in the video game. This is the part where I found the thing about why does the dog not smell the infection on Ellie? And I'm sorry, it was on the official podcast, but it was Craig Mason, not Druckmann. He said that the dog didn't smell the infection on Ellie because whatever is going on in Ellie isn't the kind of thing that a dog would smell, but maybe just a scanner would pick up. So in the blood, clearly. In the video game, Jackson is over 20 families strong and it is 300 people, including children. So roughly about the same size they judge. It's literally what Maria says in the show. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, except for the 20 families, but yeah. The 20 families is what's from the video game. Right. When Joel and Ellie enter Tommy's community, they ride by a place called the Tipsy Bison, which is a location that's in the second installation of the game. Ooh, part two, you mean? Mm-hmm. The Tipsy Ooh. Bison. Not the coat, but the jacket that Maria leaves Ellie, the tricolor. It's like magenta, right. white, and purple. Like a tracksuit jacket almost? Yes, that is her jacket from the video game. Mm, okay. The one that she doesn't complain about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To be fair, Maria gave her like a lot of purple clothing. Yeah. What's wrong with purple? <laughs> purple is a big theme. Tessa's shirt was purple. Sarah's shirt was mm. purple. The curtains and everything in Sarah's room were purple. Interesting. The blouse that she was wearing previous to this was kind of purple. They talked about that in one of the, the burgundy, podcasts I yeah. watched. Also, the horse that she meets, Shimmer, is the mm-hmm. horse that Ellie rides in the second game. Yep. Mm. Yes. Her bedroom in this new house is actually the set that that conversation happens in the video game, but it's not like her room in the video game. But they I... designed her room after that same. Oh. Oh, they modeled it after the game. They modeled it, yeah, okay. after the okay. game. Gotcha, gotcha. Those were the Easter That's eggs. It. <laughs> That's it, everybody. I didn't make it far enough in the game to see to see much else, but there were a lot of scenes that I could tell. I'm like, this is going to be in the video game. Mm. There were scenes in The Walking Dead that were the same, where you like knew that they were a panel because mm-hmm. of the way that they like hung on it for a second, or the way that they lined it up. It like looked like a panel. Oh, there are moments in the show where I'm like, I bet the scene with the monkey being in the upstairs as like a red herring like something's up there and you think it's a clicker but it's actually a monkey I was like I feel like that's gonna be in the video game I don't know that for sure it's the suspense with the immediate no it's not anything dangerous I just feel like it's probably is a scene cut right from the video game well the baseball bat shiv and I'm not gonna spoil but the way that goes down is different from the video mm-hmm. 
game. I actually got to see that scene today. It's very Rick, actually. Yeah, exactly. It is. Like it rebar is. through, which makes me also think that maybe The Walking Dead barred that from The Last of Us because it was rowdy. Maybe Ooh. the game's been around for a number of years. Yeah, so. longer than episode 904 uh, is when it gets the rebar. And that was 2018, I want to say. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which the game had already been out for four <laughs> years, essentially. Uh, sorry, five years, I think at that point. So for those who know, I like that uh, Walking Dead Eternal says I enjoyed this episode too. And I, yeah, the more I think about this episode, the more I enjoy it too. Like I said last night, this episode gave us a lot and a lot more than I ever thought I'd expect from the series this far in, especially from Joel. Admitting your failings is not something you usually get from like a male protagonist, like a stoic male protagonist and so much of it too. He doesn't do this in the video game. Are you really surprised though? I feel like at this stage in the game, this is exactly what should be happening. We're almost at the end. We need everything mm. now. We True. And you usually complain when we don't get there fast enough, right? You're like, oh, come on already. <laughs> Part of the reason I didn't rate the season yet. Right. So, but based on this episode, I think you're feeling this. You're like, okay, we're, we're going somewhere. I like that we're going somewhere. This was a heavy episode. I enjoyed it. Yes. Lots to process. I like it. Our reaction episode last night, like I said, we feel, I feel like we're careening towards the end here. But what I can honestly say is what I did see in the, the teaser for the next episode is that we go back. Did you hear what I just said? <laughs> we need to go back. Repeat what I just said. We're going back before. <laughs> we gotta go back. <laughs> before the events of we episode one. We gotta go one. back. Sorry. I know. I got, I, got, I got the reference. The loss. Yeah, yeah. I love that show. It's fun. All the way through. Even the end. <laughs> Ew. Ooh. Hush, hush, hush. <laughs> hey, you know what else about Lost? <laughs> What about what I was about? To... I just I whatever. I know. Sawyer's on, Sawyer's on Yellowstone all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sawyer's on Yellowstone. Can we just cover Yellowstone? Really? I really yeah. love it. <laughs> I just want to talk about it always. Bridget's mic right now. No. <laughs> Yellowstone. <laughs> Guys, today on Squawking Yellowstone on Yellow Squawk. Exactly. Ooh, Yellow that Squawk sounds like a venereal disease. <laughs> Yellow squawk. Ew, that does sound really gross. Yeah. <laughs> yellow squawk. Although I need some ointment for my yellow be squawk. More of a penisy thing, wouldn't it? Ooh. He's got the yellow squawks. <laughs> 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 a man that Ew. doesn't know how to take care of his pee pee. Oh my god. <laughs> He's not a real man. <laughs> I'm Sam Elliott. <laughs> oh, he has sp- to say his name, otherwise no one knows the hell he's talking about. Squawking stone. Howdy, partner. Squawking stone? Squawking stone sounds Squawking stone. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Here says, I feel good about the eight I gave The Last of Us. Thomas says, the newsroom is amazing. Oh, with Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniel. Mm-hmm. Tom somewhere says, talk, about, talk more about Tom. Tommy, you mean? Walking Dead Eternal says, speaking of Walking Dead, I didn't even see the comic books. Me neither. Yeah. I love that I didn't because I got to break it down on its merits. Now that it's done, though, you stuff, should though. go back and it read is, them. I'm sure. Read them. Read them. When it's all time. of it's over, I'll just go back and be like, that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas is my least favorite episode, of, but it had lots of Tommy in it. What? Takira so says, I only, I only have the compendiums, but I don't want to mess them up, so I haven't read them. Yeah, Takira's That's me. so sad. As a kid who had severe anxiety about placing that. stickers on things or using erasers, please, for the love of God, read your books. What? Don't waste your things like I did. Yeah, it's a, it's a book. You're supposed to read it, Takira. It's meant to be read. It's meant to be loved. 
Oh my God, they're so anxious about you not doing something. I have the compendiums and I have the volumes and I have over half the comic books. But yeah, say you haven't read them. Anyway, to read the, <laughs> I've read all of them, every single one. I don't touch the single issues. They stay in them. They stay, they in, the stay in their plastic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I should correct myself. I have not cracked open a. S- no, you must I have, have read one or some two. of them. I have read some of them, but most, of, for the most part, the single issues stay in their plastic. <laughs> they're I've read all the volumes <laughs> and I've read the compendiums. Yeah. I mean, it's all the same thing. Yeah. It is. It's just bigger yeah. versions just of all graphic the same novel thing. version. Yeah. yeah, I like that Ellie mentions what her dream was was, and that's being an astronaut. Sally Ride, that whole thing. <laughs> right before he uh, Joel goes to eventually goes to sleep and he's not supposed to, he says, uh, "Dream about sheep on the moon." That was like a little hint that I'm like, oh, he's. So he's warming up to her. And I like it. And then later on, it's like, I couldn't help myself. Don't home. asshole about it. Yeah, to himself. Did he just refer to himself as a bat shiv? I got a bat <laughs> well, Either way, he has a bat shiv he could show you. I've <laughs> Also yellow squawk. Thomas, are you referring to your yellow squawk? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I like where this I like where this series is going. We are going to be jumping back to before the events of episode one, like not the 2003, but right when we catch up to 2023. Apparently, a lot of the teaser shows what happens between Ellie and who we find out is Riley, and that's the the girl she went to the, the mall, mall with. Right. Predominantly, it seems like. Hopefully, maybe, which then allows us to maybe have a little bit more context about what is happening right now at the end of this episode. I don't like that we are in suspended animation after Joel gets the shiv. Classic storytelling. Right. But I do like that it might even give us bigger context into what basically Ellie rejecting the idea of like, it shouldn't be anybody but Joel. And it might give us more context into why it has to be Joel after all this time too. And I kind of like that. Uh, Walking Terrell says, I knew Ellie had a friend named Riley. Right. There you go. Yeah. And I, I haven't played the games, but I know enough. It's like, I'm right in the middle where Bridget is and where Charity might be. It's but, not going to uh, be Riley I want. I don't need to know that. <laughs> if anybody else doesn't have anything else to say, we can uh, do nope, the thing. Let's adjourn and you'll go use the rath- bathroom. The bathroom. The bathroom. I get so angry on the toilet. <laughs> I mean, it could also be called the bathroom. <laughs> I mean, depending on the situation, especially if you have the light yellow squad. <laughs> <laughs> With that, everybody, if you like what you heard, <laughs> angrily head over How to ratethispodcast.com slash dead. Five stars and eggplant is all we need to know that you love us. There's a lot of yellow if there's five stars. Tell us what we what you liked. Eggplant, Tell us what you did like. Fucking hella purple. Well, right. And the eggplant looks like it's shooting five... But remember to tell us after every episode at ratethispodcast.com slash dead. And if you really like what you've heard, do yourself a favor and do us a favor. You should think about following us at either ko-fi.com slash dead or patreon.com slash dead. You don't have to buy us a coffee at Kofi and you don't have to join a membership tier at either for at le- as little as a dollar a month. We don't care about that. We just think it would be a good idea to follow us on either site so that you know what we're doing in the background. You know if we have any cool behind the scenes stuff that's brewing. Uh, but if you do decide to buy us a coffee you'll get 30 days of supported back content at Kofi. and if you join a membership tier on either patreon or Kofi, you will have access to our discord our unedited episode recordings which we aren't doing now because we're doing live streams and a whole host of other cool features depending on the tier level you join the highest which means that you could join us here on screen helping us break down these episodes live in this case as well as if you're in the mid tier you can get uh, just like the highest tier, you can get 50 percent off in the merch, merch store we do have merch and 
and what is it? Oh, Jackbox streams, which we have been neglecting. Hopefully we can pick those up, but you can be on camera and Mike joining us playing these cool ass uh, Jackbox games and having fun times and making fun of the show and Yellow Squawk and all the things that we bring to these episodes <laughs> into Jackbox games further because we like to beat a dead horse, mostly me. But uh, speaking <laughs> of me, that's, that's next episode. <laughs> that's right. Sherry's job. <laughs> Ooh. One can only hope there are, ho- there are horses on Padre. <laughs> and with that, everybody, I'm your host, David Cammy, and I was joined by Cosmons, you and I, Rachel Burt. She's here. And Sharon D.K. Blazy Gardner. And of course, Bridget. Bridget. <laughs> K-O-F-I.com slash Punky Brewster. It's P-U-N-K-Y-B-R-U-I-S-E-T-E-R. Take care, everybody. Have a great night. Thank you for being here. Walking to Eternal Thomas, Takira, Tommy, and Lois. Lois, who was here earlier. Lois. Uh, also, Lioness UK. That was that's um, Maxine. Max, forget her name. Max. Max. That's right, Max. Thank Max. you. I was trying to like it's an M word. It's an M. I'm like a medium now. Her name begins with an M, right? <laughs> She's telling you, great job, guys. Debunked. Debunked. <laughs> Debunked. Oh no, <laughs> I didn't win the million dollars from the JRF. <laughs> Anyway, the seventh episode of the series, and they actually, by the way, they announced the rest of the na- the title names, at least for the rest of the series. And the last one is Look for the Light, because the first one is When You're Lost in the Darkness. When You're Lost mm-hmm. in the Darkness. So they didn't, they didn't mess it up. They, they ended off with this whole thing. Anyway, fuck the fireflies. Have a good night. Bye. <laughs> Bye, everybody. She's here. We love you. She's there. She's every fucking where, Rachel. Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness, look at you. You made it to the end of our heavily delayed release of our discussion surrounding the sixth episode of The Last of Us titled Kin. We really, really appreciate you hanging in there. We actually turned what was the amount of two hours of live stream recording into one hour and 20 minutes. That's quite the feat. And I'm glad you were here to listen to the polished, refined version of that live stream. But now we get to the portion of this podcast where we thank the folks who support us on either ko-fi.com slash squawking dead or patreon.com slash squawking dead these are starting with the survivors here members who get to join us on camera on mic for these episode breakdowns at real ryan gm on twitter at eliza jones 71 on instagram or at jones ag6 on twitter and fanart lindy who you can reach at ko-fi.com slash fanart lindy and on to the whisperers tier members who just like the survivors tier members get to join us on both camera and mic on our jackbox games live streams and the opportunity to receive 50 percent off in our merch store You've got at judith.morton on Instagram, Aiden Atkin, who you can reach at ko-fi.com slash Aiden Atkin, at Tyler Phillip Cox on both Instagram and Twitter, at sandy.d.morrison on Facebook, at j13voorhees on Instagram and Twitter, and at newbaby420 on Instagram, or at Tashiyama on Twitter. We'll see you very soon for our live stream reaction of the seventh episode of The Last of Us, right after the episode airs on Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. Eastern U.S. time, as well as our full episode breakdown shortly thereafter. We'll hit you up in our Discord on when that will actually happen, and also release the details on both Kofi and Patreon. And I'm sure you've noticed that we haven't 
released our interview with William Bell that we recorded during That's My Viewing Party, the Walking Dead series finale viewing party that was thrown by Anthony Collins and Nicole Pessa at Covington, Georgia. That hopefully we will release very, very soon, hopefully before the next episode breakdown to whet your appetite. And again, you can get the entire unedited reel of those interviews, all three, Carrie Gonzell, Chris Vellman, and William Bell on either Kofi or Patreon. That's kodeshify.com slash squawkingdead or patreon.com slash squawkingdead. It is very much worth it, at least for the Chris Vellman interview, which we cut 10 whole minutes out of because they were very cancelable materials that were funny, but uh, decided against publishing in a public forum. Either way, thank you again for listening, for supporting, for being here all the way to the end. And remember, we are Squawking Dead. Squawking Dead.